Hi, this is Jack Sock, and you're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. What a week in the French capital, one to remember with a first-time Masters winner in the American Jack Sock. Fairy tale runs for others, and a week of highs and lows for Rafa Nadal, confirmed as year-end number one one day, only to withdraw injured the next. Our eighth for London are confirmed. The next-gen ATP finals are around the corner, which means a lot to talk about on the latest edition of the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Great to have your company on the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Gigi Salmon alongside Miles McLagan. And who would have thought at the start of the week in Paris, Miles, that we would be talking about Rolex Paris Masters winner, Jack Sock. Yes, it's a real surprise, but didn't he do well in the end? It was a great, great story. Players scrapping for their spots in London, and uh, you know he's achieved so much this week, and we hope he can go on and uh, you know take it from there. There are so many things that he was playing for. It wasn't just to win his first title at this level. The others had come at 250 level. It was to secure the eighth spot, which we're going to talk about in great detail a little bit later for the Nito World Tour Finals, because that hadn't been set. It was to be the top-ranked American at the end of year. I mean. That's a little bit of pressure on the shoulders of Sock coming into the match. It, it certainly is in this match, and I think it probably helped him throughout the week because he was so far from any of those, he wasn't really thinking about <laughs> it until the, the last minute. But you're absolutely right. There's some, there's some nice accolades, and there's some, uh, some, you know, some things that you really like to be able to say at the end of their career that I did this, I did, did that. Who would have thought, you know, was uh, John Isner was placed better than him it's John isn't that's been in the top 10 you would have thought if American was going to do it but Jack Sock's come through great first half of the year part of the year for Jack Sock with a couple of titles it really dropped off around the clay and grass semi-final in Washington then a lot of first round exits leading up to and including Shanghai then he turns up in Paris and it so easily could have been a very very short stay in Paris for Jack Sock. Yes, because it wasn't even going that well for him <laughs> initially <laughs> in Paris. He was 5-1 down in the third set to, to Kyle Edmund before he, he dug in and got through that one. So it just shows, you know, in, in, in tennis, and that's what these great players do, how many times do they keep, you know, rescue it from, from the embers. They, he, uh, you know, from then he felt he was playing, as he said, he was, felt he was playing with the house's money, so there was no pressure until the end. <laughs> he wants 24th in the race, London. He'll also make his debut in the top 10, so so many things to say. Congratulations, Jack Sock, for his season continues. But what for you made the difference in the final in Paris? I think a, a bit of experience. Um, Filip Kronovic, he, he started out very well, obviously. He got that first set, but just um, it was a bit of a lull early in the second, and you just felt maybe the, the emotions, the, the enormity of the occasion was just a little bit too much for him, and I felt it was Jack Sock that was just a little more comfortable. And then in that third set, he really lifted his level. You could sense that when he felt he had the opportunity and he had settled down in the match, Jack Sock, that he was able to take it to another level. And he really did finish uh, with a very strong performance. There were so many stats in and around this final, but one of them... He is the first non-European man to win a major title since Andy Roddick beat Andy Murray in Miami seven years ago in 2010. Well, it's, it's a remarkable domination from from a European point of view, and and surprising that in amongst that there's not even a you know a South American or an Australian and an Asian perhaps. So obviously because you know Nishikori, Kyrgios, the, the the players Del Potro, they haven't been able to to do it in that time. So you know the utter dominance of Federer, Nadal, Murray, Djokovic, Vavrinka. 
I tell you, when we finally sit down, and we'll probably do a podcast when we're looking back on 2017, I think it might be, Miles, the longest podcast in living memory because so much <laughs> has happened from the first week of the season up till now in Paris. It, it's incredible. It feels like there's a different twist and, and turn each week. It certainly has been, and uh, you know, w without those big names playing, there's been it's been a chance for other players to come to come through to, uh, you know, not just at the grandstands, but some of the, some of the 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 one thousands, the the ATP five hundreds. We had Luca Pui winning his. Um, first 500 event in Vienna just the other week so we're starting to see some some of the new names emerge we certainly are and one man who's written his name into the tennis headlines of 2017 is Filip Krajinovic the qualifier from Serbia who set the tone pretty early on in the tournament by beating one of the race to London contenders Sam Querrey it was a good win. I think I played really well, stayed aggressive the whole time and uh, yeah, the biggest win of my career so far yeah, you've, you've chosen to play a lot of challenges this year, uh, a prodigious amount. You've, you've won five, I think, five titles, yeah. lots of wins. How significant has that been in building your confidence up? Yeah, that was the goal at the beginning of the year, to play a lot of challenges, uh, to pick up the points and uh, to be ready for the next year. My goal was to break top 100 uh, and then uh, for the next year to be main draw everywhere. I did it. And now it's time to play all ATPs. Uh, of course, I won so many matches. I won five titles, played five finals, five titles. Um, didn't lose a set, I think, in those tournaments. So for me, it's an amazing year and it's not finished yet. Because it must be nice to be healthy. I mean, you turned pro nine years ago, uh, but then effectively you, you rebooted your career, didn't you? Because you, you had the injury in 2011, you had a shoulder surgery. How difficult was it to come back from that? It was difficult. I had a great junior career and then all of a sudden I had uh, surgery on my arm, took a couple of years to come back, then I break top 100 a couple of years ago, then again I had a problem with the wrist, they couldn't play for, for, for long and now finally I'm healthy, playing, happy and everything is going well. So now that you are healthy, what's the, what's the future hold? What's the potential? How high can you go? I, I don't like to say that. You know, I go step by step. Mm -hmm. For me, to be healthy and just to play, compete with those guys, and then you never know, you know. I guess everybody wants to be the best, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to play, and then we'll see, you know. I'm happy to be on the court and compete with those guys. So what, what does the off-season have in store? You're working with your coach, Peter Popovich, of course. Um, what kind of uh, Philip are we going to see when you come back for the new season? Uh, for, sure, for sure, it'll be stronger. I, I will work on that. I will work on a couple to be, you know, to be more aggressive. And uh, I think I'm just going to keep working. That's, that's my goal. Well, I'm here with Petr Popovic, coach of one of the, the men of the moment, Filip Krajanovic. Um, first of all, Petr, thank you very much for talking with us on ATP Tennis Radio. Thank to you. And the week just keeps on getting better, doesn't it? Incredible. Yeah, he's on the roll. So he won um, maybe out of last 22 matches, 21 matches. So he's in confidence and uh, he's playing really good. He won like two challengers in a row. Then in Moscow, he qualifi qualified with Rublev in first round, lost to Berankis, like tough match, and here he was playing from first match like incredible tennis. So where a lot of people will be surprised by what Philip's doing, you perhaps not so surprised? I'm really zero surprised. <laughs> like, uh, I know Philip since a very long time, let's say 10 years, because we are from the same region on, of Serbia, north, of, north part of Serbia. 
So I was always knew that he had a great talent. He showed that when he was 16, 17. Then he has few problems with the injuries, and he didn't have system for the games. He's an incredibly talented player, and I knew it. If he keeps seriously, he works hard, and uh, with a good vision, he can be like really, really a big one. Yeah, given how much he really had to restart his whole career, you must be very proud of the way he's uh, the way he's playing. I'm incredibly proud of him and yeah, and what we did like only in the last four months was uh, incredible. Like even that he lost few matches in semi-finals of Challenger, we was he was working hard, he was believing, and he, he believed he helped me a lot because he believed in me a lot. So. And I, I forget the number. I think it's something like 47 wins in challenges this year and five titles in challenges. He's really the poster boy for, you know, playing challenges to build your confidence and get back onto the tour, isn't he? Yeah, but he needed to play challenges because in start of the year maybe he was 240, or, and uh, so he was even playing future, future level at the beginning, and then uh, and he won five titles, which is really amazing. I don't know if somebody did it before, but the last two titles, I think he lost like 34 games, so he was losing three games per match. So he showed to everybody that he had at least top 20 potential. Now that he's back, he's playing himself into all kinds of draws for next season as well. How how high do you think Philip can go? Okay, but even when he was one uh, one fourth in the world, like media was asking me what's his potential in in our country in Serbia, and I was telling top twenty, and for them was they thought I was crazy. So to get top fifty, and then he will be main draw in all the Masters. And then every win is like 45 points and he don't have really points to defend next first six months, I think, of the season. So we don't really fix. He can go like really high. He proved it against Query because that's the type of player that he hate to play. And uh, he proved me that will be not good if we put limitation. We are proud, and but I hope he will not stop there. It is only right that we spend a little bit of time talking about Filip Krenunovic. His Peter Popovic, the headlines will go to the man who ripped off his shirt when he came through against John Isner, the coach in the semi-finals, expressing his delight. They've only been together four months, but what a week for not just player, but also coach. Uh, absolutely, and uh, sometimes forgotten that the, the coaches have their career and their lives too, and the, you know, success... Uh, and a financial gain perhaps for the player is all is is the same for for the player and uh, you, know, you talked about they that you know they've known each other and had a good relationship for a, a long time and sometimes a coach coming aboard at just the right time can can give you a, a little bit of boost a little clar- clarity of thought but um and he's he's had a good year and Krajinovic is uh you know, there there were signs from early in his career, from his junior career, that he's got uh, that there is pedigree there. He's made semi-finals at a couple of uh, uh, junior Grand Slams, and, and you know his ranking he was knocking on the top hundred at a pretty young age before being derailed by s- some injuries. So, ab- no, I wouldn't have picked this level of success, <laughs> but 
the fact that he's playing some really good tennis and having success is not a huge shock. Five challenger titles for Krajinovic this year. He didn't drop a set in winning four of them. He said his goal was to win enough matches on the challenger tour and he won 47 to get the ranking up to compete with the best going into 2018. Not only is he going to compete miles with the best in 2018, his ranking at 33 means there's an outside chance any injuries, and there's a few people missing at the moment, he will be a seed at the Australian Open. Yeah, well, I would, I would say it's quite likely. There's a n number of people out right now, so so needing to move up a spot. But what, what a year, what a what a base he's built going forward. You know, he's got, got all the matches under his, his belt, uh, and, 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 and now the, the points that going forward, it's, it's an incredible base, it's incredible motivation. His coach talked about that, uh, you know, the, the success for both him and Jack Sock and anybody who's done well to think, um, you know, I can, it's, it's worth it. The, the rewards for putting in this sort of work is, is worth it and paying off so you can have a good off season and come, up, come, come out really fired up for the new season. The mental strength was something that stood out for us with the Serbian. In terms of his on-court game, for those listening thinking, look, I, I missed that fine, I didn't see much of him. What stood out for you about the Serbs' game? His calmness was really good. And I don't think he's necessarily got any specific areas that he needs to work on because it looked very complete. There was He got cheap points on the serve. Uh, he was really solid from the baseline. He was great coming forward. He chose the right moment so often. I mean, the standout shot for him was that backhand up the yeah, you know the backhand up the line against Isner and early on against Sock. It was really really effective, and it looks like it's it doesn't look lucky when he's doing it. You don't hit it and sort of hold your breath and think, oh well, it's working today, uh, but will it work tomorrow? It looked like he was comfortable doing it. So I don't, I don't think he needs to, you know, it's not an off-season where he needs to go away and change the grip on his serve or, or go from a two-hander to a one-hander. But it's it's about now playing that same level that he was able to win the real pressure game. Because there were a couple of moments when, uh, you know, the forehand got a little bit tight. But that's normal. I think so, sometimes you've just got, the players have just got to be patient, keep working away, improving what they've got. And uh, you know, making sure they keep their eye on the ball, not not letting letting their their game drift. I don't know if this is a fair enough question. Maybe you'd need to see more of him playing those players above him. But 33 in the live rankings. Can you see? Could he be 25 years of age? Top 20, top 10? Well, that, that's a big ask, and the, the top 10 and the top 20 is is a pretty jam place. I mean, you often say, you know, you there's there's 30, 40, 50 players. You could say, well, you should be in the top 20, and well, there's uh, last time I checked, there's only 20 spots in there. <laughs> um, but you know, just outside the top 30, and uh, and who knows which belief. But but his game to me, y yes, a, a top 20 spot is is possible, and of course he's going to have a chance because he's got such a such a, a huge amount of points concentrated in this period now that the rest of the year I know he's won those challenges but he's going to have periods where he can uh, where it's free and he can he can really improve his ranking Philip Kronovich a name to listen and look out for in 2018 start of the week in Paris at 77 the qualifying competition, he ends as a finalist with a ranking of 33 in the world. So I think it's fair to say that surprise winners were definitely a theme of the week with Nicola Mahu, wildcard, beating another race to London contender. There were a fair few of those contenders still rattling around. Pablo Crenia booster, Fernando Vadasco beating Dominic Team, and Peter Goyovchik overcoming the American Ryan Harrison. But perhaps the best run of the week was local hero Julian Benito, another wildcard who had said that this would be his final 
tournament in Paris at the Masters and he would retire at some point in 2018 because he came past Denis Shapovalov, Joe Wilfred Songa, David Goffer and Marin Cilic before eventually losing to Paris champion Jack Sock. For the last tournament of the year, it's uh, for us French, it's the best way to finish the season to play in this beautiful arena. We grew up to watching this tournament and uh, so many tennis stars won this tournament and uh, also it's um, an atmosphere unique here, a unique atmosphere and a special place for us, especially with this Davis Cup final coming uh, right after the, the tournament. This is the end of the season, so for, for some guys uh, it means uh, another travel uh, and uh, another like uh, week uh, away from home and it's difficult maybe to keep the motivation and everything. But for us, uh, it's very easy because we are at home and we have the support of the of the crowd. And uh, as I said before, the, the atmosphere here is very unique. So now for us, it's something special to play here. You mentioned the, the French stars who've played here down the years. The tournament director included, of course. Guy Forger uh, must be a, a big hero of you guys. Yeah, of course. When he won in 91, it was something special. And then uh, three weeks later, he won the Davis Cup also. So... Yeah, for, for sure, it's something special. Uh, Davis Cup final here also in 2002, even if we France lost this final, it was an unbelievable weekend of tennis. So, yeah, for us uh, to be here, it's, it's uh, very special and we are all very, very pumped up. And you've had some great results here yourself down the years. In 2009, probably notably beating Roger Federer. Your memories of that one? Yeah, of course. It's one of my best memories of my career. And uh, yeah, to to be able to to beat Roger when he was number one uh, on this court, uh, it's uh, yeah something very special. And uh, in front of your family, your friends, your coach, and everything, it's uh, yeah it was a, a huge moment for me. So I will keep it forever. Just finally, Julien, I, I know you play a lot of doubles as well. Um, and the doubles guys, some of them, you know, Leander, and you know, they're going on until well into their 40s. You mentioned, though, that you've got a young family. I know you've got a two-year-old son. Um, can you see yourself carrying on into your 40s, or are you nearing the end? Now? No, no, I am uh, at the end. Uh, 2018 will be for sure the, the last, uh, probably. So uh, I'm not sure to, to play full year next year. So I, I want to, to, to spend some more time at home and maybe to do something uh, uh, maybe in the tennis in a different ways, but uh, uh, I won't be here on the tour uh, in my 40s. Coaching? Not full time. I'm not, I don't want to travel that much. Now, if Philip Karinovic is saying that this is a week he will never forget, I think the same can be said, Miles, about Julien Beneteau. No question about that. Probably the, the, the best week of his uh, his career, perhaps. I know he's had some big moments at uh, at Roland Garros and, and Davis Cup too. But uh, you know what a story! And you saw the emotions pouring out of him when he came through those matches. And you know, on on paper, it was uh, he, he beat well. He beat some big names, like you said, Huge, Songa, yeah. Goffin, uh, Chilic. It was done in uh, in in dramatic. Uh, dramatic fashion at times and he plays a different game he comes forward he you know he pulls he throws in a bit of serve and volley uh so it you know it was it was good to watch but uh, absolutely what a story when you can do that in front of your home home crowd 
some of the atmospheres for the Benetto matches were fantastic. I mean, they love a Davis Cup match and it felt a little bit Davis Cup at times with Court Central, 15,000 people screaming, willing, urging their man to cross the line. I mean, the atmosphere, the match against Mario, I just, just unbelievable some of the Benetto matches. And at times you thought, crikey, is this fella going to go all the way? It, it had that uh, sense at the times. You just thought that the fairy tale would be complete, but... I suppose, unfortunately for him, there, there, there were probably about three fairy tales on the go, <laughs> weren't they? So he couldn't have he couldn't have all of them. But uh, you're right. That, that match with Chilich was uh, uh, wasn't wasn't the best tennis at times, but it was so dramatic, and you weren't sure which way it was going to go, whether he would be able to close it out. He got, you know, I think he got the, a, a break pretty early on, and uh, g gave gave the lead back. He thought, well, oh, he's not really, I I his head's not in a place where he'd be able to close this out. But he did. He kept going with it, and he could just sense he was dragging himself along at times. Oh, incredible stuff. Now, big theme of the week in Paris was who was going to be in London because there were two spots up for grabs. We now know that Jack Sock has taken the final one and it did feel that at the beginning of the week that there were about 20 or 30 players with a thousand points up for grabs that could possibly get there. But confirm the second to last place earlier in the week was David Goffer, even though he lost before the quarterfinals. Yeah, that was the the main goal um, during this tournament. It's to be part of the um, the NITO ATP finals. So uh, now, even if I, I lost my match today, and uh, my good friend Lucas lost also his match, uh, I'm in I'm in the the tournament and the top eight of the of the season. So uh, I'm so proud and so happy. It's like a, a dream come true for me. And uh, now it's official. It's uh, yeah, I'm so happy. You went to London, played one match last year, played Novak as the alternate. How much will that help, do you think, having seen it, having experienced it already? We, we will see. I will, I will tell you after my, my tournament this year. But last year was a great experience. I took my mark on the on the, the amazing uh, centre court. Um, so, yeah, I played one match. It was not my best match of the, of the year, but it was not easy to... Uh, to play uh, against Novak, but uh, hopefully this year will be a, a better, a better year for me there. Uh, I'm going to play three matches at least, so I'm going to try to uh, to play my best tennis. I'm going to rest a little bit before uh, I need some day off, and then I will prepare my body to uh, hopefully play my best tennis there. Yeah, just finally, you, you mentioned you're, you're tired. Uh, the, the legs, I'm sure everyone's a bit tired at this stage of the season. How careful do you have to be between now and London? How, how much work will you do? Yeah, I have uh, uh, more than one week, so I'm gonna take some some days off, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on the court just a little bit slowly, and day after day I'm gonna practice a little bit more and more, and just to uh, uh, just to play and to be ready 100% um, on my first day, Sunday or Monday. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, it's going to be tough to uh, manage this week, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going we're gonna to do it with um, a lot of uh, professionals. It took a lot of calculating. We had a very complex 
chart. We called it, after Peter Mercato, a member of the team, <laughs> Pete's Parisian Permutations Perplexer. And it was just that. There were lines and crosses. And, it, and at times it felt that everybody, including us here in the commentary box, could possibly qualify for London. <laughs> yeah, it really did. We couldn't believe. We sort of looked at each other a couple of times when we said Diego Schwartzman was still maybe in, in genres <laughs> and things. I'm saying that, but but is it right? And it was a bit like uh, you're you're right. The uh, the permutations was was a bit like Sudoku when you sort of you think you've got there and then you put and you realise oh no the clue. whole thing's got to change that one wrong number. But <laughs> <laughs> and the fact it was still going right up until sort of the quarter final. semi final, wasn't it? And oh. and if we thought it w- it was difficult for us, how about Pablo Corona Busta, who going into Paris had the eighth spot and he had to watch well his early exit and then all the players sort of dropping like flies around him thinking I'm going to get that I'm going to get there and then the very final match of the very final Masters event I might be going as an alternate but I'm not going as one of the top eight yes yeah, so surprising and, and, and probably not the uh not, not, not the player he would have thought. I'm sure because uh, you know Del Potro has been on on yeah. an incredible form since the since the U.S. Open. A whole, you know, his ranking has risen from just inside, I think, 47, just inside the top 50, to to almost getting a spot, being a match away from uh, from a spot in London. So he was close. So yeah, for, so for Karenia Busta, it wasn't just the one player he needed to keep his eye on. It was uh, everyone. Well, yeah, well, everyone up to ranked about 24 in the world because that's where Diego Schwartzman was. John Isner said that he'd been thinking about what football matches to get home. He wasn't thinking about London. Suddenly he was thinking about London. Jack Sock had nine players ahead of him when he turned up in Paris. He was 24th in the race. The names that we don't talk about that often, Roberto Bautista, Agu, Albert Ramos, Vinilas, all these players. Yes, large Diego Schwartz and he probably had to win it and everyone else had to go home and not even turn up on court to get any kind of points but mathematically there was the pressure of a number of players going for one of those coveted spots. Absolutely and, and as you said a few of them uh, surviving until uh, quite late in the, in the tournament so uh, I mean, it's made it fun and I think that's what's you know without uh, uh, you know, with some of the bigger names missing, some of the usual suspects in London. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how many years since we haven't had a, a, a Murray, a Djokovic, uh, even Raonic, Nishikori's been around, Vavrinka. So there's five regulars uh, who, who aren't there. So it's, it's cleared up some spots. And I think the rest of the players who aren't you know, necessarily as dominant, that's why it's, it's left the field a lot more level. And it's, it's made it exciting. So your confirmed date for London. Don't forget, we're recording this podcast following the final of the Rolex Paris masters and things change so quickly so you might be listening to it on a Wednesday and what are you talking about or a Thursday when things do change but as of now Rafa Nadal did withdraw from Paris due to the knees but hoping to get himself fit so this is the order they qualified in Rafa Nadal Roger Federer Sasha Zverev who also qualified for the next gen ATP finals but withdrew to focus on London Gregor Dimitrov Marin Cilic David Goffa and finally Jack Sox they are the eight going to London so many stories I mean this was the the tournament of headlines. Another headline going to Raffendahl because the fourth time in his career he achieved the feat of ending the year as the best player in the world. Very important thing for me. You know? uh, after all the things that happened the uh, last couple of years, uh, be able to be in that position and uh, receive the trophy like a world number one at the end of the, of the year uh, is something that's uh, going to mean a lot to me when that happens in London. No? So uh, very happy for that and um, yeah, difficult to describe, but uh, for sure it's a, it's, a, it's a great feeling. So for Rafa Nadal, he knew, with Roger Federer not being in Paris, that one win across 
Paris and London, and he would confer. It was always going to be a long shot for Federer, but mathematically, as we just talked about, <laughs> there was still a way that Federer could have done it. He he gets the win in the first match he played. That's what he needed. But then the disappointment of the pain growing ever stronger in the knee that forced him to call the press conference to say, I will not be able to take part in my quarterfinal meeting with Filip Krinovic. Yeah, I think it's obviously a huge disappointment for him because this was uh, the two tournaments come coming up at that time Paris when he was still in London are two trophies that he doesn't doesn't have and I'm sure he would like to complete the set but uh, I think you know you get combined the fact that he's aware that he's letting a lot of people down or uh, not letting them down disappointing a lot of people because they want to the crowds want to see him the tournament obviously will want want him in and and also the 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 worry of how bad is the knee because there were signs of it during the 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 Quavis match that he actually completed and the physio came out and put the old tape that we became familiar with that he used to just tape up just below the knee um but and and there were there were very mild signs that he was a bit discomfort dis, a bit uncomfortable in his movement but not not enough and then so to hear that the next day and we do hope obviously that it's that it's just preventative that it's you know, if he, he's caught it before it's got too bad and that he'll be fine in london now, maybe not a headline, but something we were keeping an eye on. Well, it's always something we look at our new partnerships when a new player comes together with new coach. And for Kyle Edmund, he's getting to grips with working with Freddie Rosengren, the Swede. They trialled the partnership in Asia and have decided to move forward with it. Now, a reason, and we heard him on ATP Tennis Radio, Freddie Rosengren, the, the reason we wanted to play you this interview again, a part of this interview again, it was so interesting, the topics that Freddie Rosengren covered and, and how honest he speaks. So here is the new man in charge of hopefully guiding Kyle Edmund ever further up the rankings, Freddie Rosengren. Uh, first of all, it's a privilege for me in my age, you know, to be back on tour after so many years away so uh, I really enjoy it and uh, I'm very happy to work with Kyle, he's a very nice guy and, and a great tennis player so uh, I'm really looking forward to this job you worked a bit together during the Asian swing in a trial capacity almost exactly. um, but it obviously worked well and, and you're off to a fair start Vienna good tournament I mean you you, you can't go for, for the result when you start it's more like the chemistry between the player and the coach is very very important and uh, I mean I am like I am I I, I, uh, I try to do my best every day and he can like it or not like it like you know this I've been around for so many years and it's, it's, it's tough to change your how do you say the way of working I mean maybe I'm I'm too old for this I don't know you know the young generation maybe I'm too hard or whatever you never know so I, I go in there being myself completely and uh, if he likes it uh, I'm still there or if he doesn't like it uh, I'm out of here you know this is not a big big deal actually so I try to be myself uh, try to inform him about my experience I, 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 of course, always compare to the c players I have been coaching, reaching top 10 and, and uh, how much they have been working, what they did off court and, and uh, traveling days, uh, after matches, if they practice more after matches. The, all these things I have to try to, to, to give to Kyle and he can do whatever he wants with the information actually if he, if he likes it or not I mean this is up to him What is your philosophy to coaching in, in general? 
Uh, first of all, I believe in hard work. This is, uh, you have to be passionate, you know, completely. I mean, it has co- to come from your own heart. This is like, I have ho- high goals, always, since I started being a coach. I, I was setting goals, like, uh, I have to, you know, my first player was Jonas Björkman. We met when he was 18. He was absolutely nothing back home and we worked so hard and that was my way out to the tour so I had unbelievable high ambitions with my work you know setting goals this and and uh, you can't expect a player having passion if you don't having passion by yourself you know so so that uh, yeah sometimes maybe my my passion is too high I don't know because it's my family maybe suffer a little bit sometimes, but <laughs> but that was. It, I mean, to be a coach is it's about the game, love of the game. I, I love to go up every morning and and try to improve something. And I said to Kyle the other day, you you will believe it or not, but either even if you win one and one, I will find something to improve. And you maybe don't like it. You maybe think I'm crazy. I forgot them. I won one and one, and you are not happy. But, but he has to understand. Of course, I'm happy. But I want more. I want to achieve something. You know, we we're working together to to achieve something. And uh, I think we we're gonna be a, a good team. We have more people around us. Uh, Mark Hiltz from from England from the LTA will work with with Kyle as well and Ian Prangley the physio work together so we are we are a good team and I'm very happy to be a part of a team this is actually the first time uh, yeah so I've always been me and the player so this is a new experience for me and and I like it you mentioned Jonas you mentioned Magnus both of whom I get the sense squeezed every last ounce of potential out of themselves yeah. with your help how big's the potential with Kyle? Well, where do you where do you set the, you know, where do you set the ceiling? I mean, the, the goals are always between him and me. Uh, we we talk about things, so that is uh, private. I think you, you should never go in public with that. Uh, and but I see him as a there is. I mean, he can is his desire, you know, his wishes. What what he wants to achieve in life with his tennis is up to him. I mean, I, I think he can be as good as. He has everything, in my opinion. So, uh, I mean, it's completely up to him how much, how much work he he wants to do, the desire, the passion about the game. Uh, you know, you have to sacrifice, and you have to love to sacrifice. If you don't love to sacrifice, I think it's very very tough to become a great player. You can become a good player. You can, uh, you know, I love this life, being number fifty or whatever, earning ba 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 you know this but really to become a great player uh, it, it's a lot of sacrifice so so that is up to Kyle because there's no question he's got the weapons you know he's got the shots anyone would say he's got the weapons is it consistency is it to get to top 20 top 10 you have to go out every day and have a desire to become a better player every day that's it's, it's all about if you if you lose that desire go on work doesn't matter if you go straight after match, warming up, whenever you are on the court, whatever you do, you do it to become a better player. That is all about. When you stop thinking about that, you you can quit. I want to talk a little bit about where you've come from because it's obviously of benefit to Kyle now. Um, you, you must be immensely proud in a way of 
Jonas and Magnus and what they've become as coaches. Because um, <laughs> whichever way you look at it, they obviously learn from you. Uh, no, uh, uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, as I said, I have my style and uh, it, it doesn't fit to everyone, for sure not. Uh, and, and sometimes it's, it does. So, so uh, you never know. You never... You can never say I'm I'm good enough, you know, like this. You learn every day about coaching, and I you have to be open-minded for for new things. And and uh, and how many times you think I have been doped? You say doped about my th- my myself, you know. If we lose match, not you know, never sleeping, thinking what could I do different? Was it my fault? I didn't say this. Did we work too hard or too? We have to work even harder or whatever. I think you have to do that every day. Questionize yourself, you know, to 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 be up there. So uh, never be satisfied with everything. And that is that is also when you work with players like like Jonas Bjorkman or Magnus Norman or Marianne. These guys, they had never ever any excuses. I never heard, you know, like blame me for anything. You know, I blame myself many times. For wrong, wrong uh, tactically, or or saying wrong things or whatever, but they never blame any anybody else, and never any excuses because they lost. I never heard about that. Always a desire to become a better player, working harder. You know, that's that was so. These kind of play that fits me very well. You know, because I can be on court for eight hours, working. I mean. I loved it when Magnus Norman came after losing the final in Sydney, 40 degrees, lost to Hewitt. Everybody else went to was already in Melbourne or they already, you know, like on flight. And he said, "Bring the balls! I want to go out there." And we stay out there one hour, 45 minutes, hitting balls. After he lost the final, who, who, do, who, who, normal guy do that? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not normal and I love that you know like this is if it's good or not you know what I mean it, maybe it was a stupid thing to do but it was him you know the p- passion to always I'm not good enough Robin Sertling was the same I'm not good enough I lost yesterday I'm not good enough I have to work more maybe that's wrong maybe you as a coach has no 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 don't you have to work less here because you're tired or blah, blah, blah. but this always this being how do you say self-critic? Mm-hmm. You say that? Yep. That is an unbelievable uh, skills to is have, it, I think. Is it a Swedish trait? I mean, because you, you look at the number of Swedes who are who are top coaches. Is it? I've asked Jonas and Magnus the same question this season, and they they both smile. But yeah. they, there's, there's something maybe methodical and pragmatic about the the Swedish mentality that lends itself to coaching top players. I think we never relax, you know, like being happy, you know, okay, winning a tournament, okay, good, thanks, good, but we won, we, we, because we want to to show the guys we work with that we are passionate, we want more, we, you know, always, never happy, really happy, and maybe that is so tough to be like that. You should maybe sit down and, you know, have a cigar and a couple of <laughs> couple of glasses of champagne and really relax, and I, you want to say, come on, I just relax now, but I don't think we are like, oh, sorry. I don't think we are like that. We 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 continue working. I think we can be really a pain in the ass for the players, <laughs> really, really. But given what you just said about Magnus, um, you were also saying before that you applaud in a way. You you applaud in a way. But what you applaud in a way, what he's done 
with his coaching career and put it on hold a little bit to spend some time with his family, something that you perhaps wish you'd done? Oh, of course. I, I, I mean, I'm not so proud about the way I was to my kids and, and my, my wife, you know. You, you, I, I mean, I question myself so many times now when I get older because, you know, but maybe I wouldn't be here. The, the, you know, the same as a, as a as a player. You know, I, w- I wouldn't be here if I if I wouldn't have my my job as number one and second and third priority, maybe. But you are not so proud of that when you're looking back on your your career because what you achieve as a coach is that is not worth so much as what you achieve as a human being or a father or or this. So so sometimes I can be very very sad. Uh, if I looking back and and uh, and see how I was when I was, you know, coaching the best guys, so I don't know. I I, I like my job. At the same time, you 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 can't have everything in life, you know. And and I wanted to be a a, a good tennis coach, and that was uh, I had to sacrifice for that. That was the co- how do you say the costs for 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 being a coach on the tour. You know, for travel 32 to 35 weeks every year, having kids back home, you know, and my wife asked me sometimes, can you go on Saturday instead of Friday? And I said, no, 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 I have to go Friday, you know, because otherwise I don't have my job. I was like that, and I'm not proud of that at all. Um, So I'm very happy that Magnus really, because life goes so quick. I came back here in this hotel, in Pullman Hotel, yesterday. Last time I was here was 2008 when I quit with Mario. That was our last tournament. And it was like it was five weeks ago. So the life goes, life flies. So if you say he wants to be home now with his twins, with his daughters uh, daughters and his wife, uh, I mean, I think that is a wonderful decision. And I'm very proud of that decision, uh, really, because I love, I know how much Magnus love tennis and work with tennis and being out here and sitting you know be a part of the team preparing for match sitting there then when it's party time when it's match time you know this I know that uh, how much he loves that so it's it's an unbelievable decision and uh, we will see him out here again that's what I'm thinking but but, uh, hopefully he will be home until he takes next decision in life I also took that decision after 20 years you know, to, to be home a little bit and uh, no, I'm back. Because <laughs> it, is, it is an incredible decision, g- given that months ago he was named ATP Coach yes. of the Year yeah. and, and now, you know, he's, he's taken the choice. You mentioned he will be back. It's a matter of time or is it just until the right offer comes up? But my, I know Magnus so well and, and he would never, you know, say he is a great coach or he's the best, you know, like this, never. So, of course, it means, it means a lot to him to win this coach of the year but this is not what he thinks he you know what I mean he's not the guru. Yeah. As, a, as, a, as a player he w- never thought he was a great player I mean until he won Rome against Kurt and then I asked him do you think you're good now yeah now I feel I'm good that was the first time he said that so I, I had to do so many things to to I always said my biggest problem with him is that he doesn't understand how good he is that was the biggest problem, uh, you know. So th- th- that is maybe a sweetest thing that you you never tell yourself you're good, you know. You you that is a little bit of. Uh, it's not nice in Sweden to say, 
I want to be the number one in the world, or I'm really good in tennis, you know, this. You you, you stay very, very humble, and, and uh, Magnus is so humble, it's unbelievable, sometimes too humble. I, I will, you know, had to kick his ass sometimes, put his, his uh, you know, winning a tournament, putting his trophy in front of the door so he could go over it to see if I won a tournament, you know, like, <laughs> I'm pretty good, but it's, it's, not, it's not that easy. So uh, I'm very happy about his decision, and this is decision about feeling good in life, and, and you, you take it the day it's, the, the, on the right day, you know. I, I, I'm pretty sure he has been, been sleepless for weeks and, and to, to take that decision. Uh, I mean, he's on the top of the world as a coach, but I don't think that means everything for him. No, I, I know that. Frederick, just to bring it back to Kyle um, yeah. and your current job, I don't know whether it's going to be this week, whether it's going to be in the off-season, but it sounds to me like Kyle Edmund has a lot of very hard work ahead of him with you. It's up to him, actually. It's up to him if we're going to work hard or not. I mean, it, it makes no sense to... I mean, of course, you push and you, you, you say you, you need to do more here or this and this. Of course you do that, but it has to come from him. His desires, how much he wants to put in, in the details of working with his serve, with his return, how many hours do I want to spend on court... To, to become a better player so so of course we're going to work hard I mean he's a hard worker he's already a hard worker so so uh, I'm not afraid of, of that uh, and and not all the players need to it's not about working harder always it can be other things it can be watching more tennis learn from your, your mm-hmm. opponents it can be uh, Watch yourself playing. On now you can play. You can see yourself the replace. I mean, spending hours. Be be very engaged to what you are doing. I mean, it can be that instead of say we have to work more hours on practice court. Maybe we have to work more hours watching him play together. Uh, you know what I mean? Having more fun. Go. Do do stuff off court it can be can be these these things. So I think he's spending enough hours working working hard when he's practicing on and off court. For me, he's a hard worker. Then I have to find out if he needs to work even harder, or we have to change other stuff. Sounds like you're happy to be back. <laughs> I am, but but it's not it's not so easy, you know, to be the always. If you like somebody, we just talked about it actually. If you like somebody, you have fun, you're sitting having fun, and then ten minutes later, you know, you have to tell the same guy the truth, to telling him what to do, to be hard on him, to talk about. Do you want to talk about the game yesterday now or yeah? And then you start being hard. The same guy you have been talking about girls or having fun, you know this. So this is, this is not the easy situation all the time, and I, I feel it when I get older. You know this it drains me more and more to be a hard guy against a nice uh, to a, a nice guy. And Kyle is a very very nice guy. I like him a lot, and 
of course, then I like him to become a great player. We had a lot of feedback when this went out at the time from people within the game saying that was so interesting. This guy is so honest, he's so open, he can talk about pretty much anything. And I remember talking about this to you and said, yeah, you know, I know the guy very well and that's exactly what he's like. He, he's a super nice guy. As, to be honest, most of the Swedes I found on tour are very down-to-earth uh, people and uh, you know, Freddie's incredibly hardworking. He's got a wealth of experience work with uh, Jonas Bjorkman. That was sort of before I got to know him and then I got to know him when he was coaching Mario Ancic who was also a really nice guy, hard worker, Robin Sodling after that. So, you know, he's worked with some, some players at the top of the game. He's very hardworking. He's very intense uh, but uh, when he's on the court and working but a, a lot of fun around it. And I think he will, um, he, he also worked uh, last year with uh, Elias Imo, the, uh, the 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 young Swedish player who was um, who was floating around a hundred at the time, trying to trying to get him up and uh, did some good work there. But Freddie just you know he's uh, it's no surprise that he's that honest in the interviews. He's th there are no secrets out there. It's about hard work. He does his homework. The players got to go out and do their little habits. And uh, uh, he he's a little bit uh, he he's old school at times with you know in terms of you can't. Uh, um, you, you've just got to go out there and do the work and create the habits and get better and look to improve and there's, there's no shortcuts and uh, you know, just take care of, look under every little stone and, and, and take care of business. He does seem quite intense at the side of the court, Freddie. From what I've seen, he kind of jumps up, he's, he's biting his nails, his head <laughs> and his hand stuff. I mean, he's living those points. And he certainly does in a chuckle because when he's often, uh, when he's on court and it's, he's sort of, you know, the shoulders are going because he's hitting every ball with, the, <laughs> with, with, with his player. But off the court, he's a very nice guy, actually very, very relaxed and down to earth. Super nice guy. I hope, that, I hope they do really well. Partnership to keep an eye on into 2018. Freddie Rosengren and the Brit Kyle Edmund. Now, Kyle was just a little bit too old to be in the running for a place at the next-gen ATP finals in Milan. But that's where our attention turned to next. And the thing here to get our head around, Miles, are the, the rule changes. It's, it's exciting. It's innovative. They've brought in things. Some of these things might stick. Just throwing a few out there. Best of five sets, first of four games, the tiebreaker, three all, no ad scoring, no lets on the serve. There's electronic line calling. Just the chair umpire will be out there. There's a shot clock. There's on-court coaching via headsets at the end of each set. And if the other player is taking a medical timeout or bathroom break, medical timeout limited to one three-minute break per match. Shorter warm-up, that's five minutes from the time a player walks out onto court and players will compete on a court lined only for singles. Lots and lots for us to sort of chew over and look at next week in Milan. There certainly is and, and, and uh, I mean I just hope there's not too much to, that we can't actually work out what, what works and what doesn't but you know a couple of things that um, I mean I would like to see the lets taken out of tennis immediately right, I mean just okay. you know that's a um, do you see the players do you think any of the players would kick up a fuss if that did happen yes because um, you know the players at the top of the game don't don't like change. They think, you know, I'm, I quite like the way I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm making money. I don't want anything to change. So, so there's always a um, uh, there's always a bit of a, a backlash. And you know, same when they change the doubles to to the short scoring. Um, so, so there's some good, you know, there's some real common sense things. The five minutes uh, walks onto court. That's not a new rule. That's just applying the old rules. <laughs> <laughs> let's get on with it let's not you know <laughs> sort of line your bottles up and etc etc um, shot clock shot clock is interesting I mean I, I'm a big fan of the 25 seconds between points because I think 
who says you should be fully recovered before you start the next point? It's not like, a, you know, in a football match, you don't wait till the defender who's done three times up and back down the field says, hang on, guys, I'll just <laughs> take a minute while I catch my breath and we'll start again. You know, that's part of the game. So if, you know, like the likes of Roger Federer wants to play quickly, wants to keep that rhythm going, it should absolutely be, be part of his game. The only problem I have is there is a little gray area at times when uh, maybe ball kids aren't as well trained as they are at some of the big events or on the outer courts you don't get the you know they're more experienced on the center court if the crowd are really getting into a match you don't want to uh, quell that environment it will be at the discretion of the chair umpire so he's he's got the all-important button and if the crowd are going nuts they will decide, the chairman will decide when to start the shot clock. So as you say, if there's, there's a rogue ball or something else happens, he can just hold off a little bit before he thumps the clock. Okay, and, and I mean those. That, that's sounds. That's what, what what's going to be interesting to watch. How will that work yeah. in practice? And, and and is that is he is he going to take longer? You know, when 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 Rafa's playing, just to allow, will he give it a bit more time uh, to? to go on and you know will it be fair fair throughout the one that and I was listening to Jared Donaldson who if anyone gets a chance to have a listen to him he is very interesting when he talks he's got a lot to say and he said I'm really excited he's going to be taking part in the next gen ATP finals he's very excited about it but one of the ones maybe he hopes doesn't stay is the electronic line calling it's perhaps Maybe the most intriguing that we are just going to have a chair. So there's no, you can't go to Hawkeye. You don't need to go to Hawkeye anymore because it's all going to be done electronically. There is the chair umpire in the chair. So I, how, how do you feel? About, I mean, it's going to look a little bit weird to start with, but, but how do you feel about this rule? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, it's one of those we're going to have to see how it is in, in practice. I mean, it makes sense. We want the lines called correctly. And we've seen, um, you know, torn very rarely that, uh, that, that that players who've run out of challenges, if they had one more, could could perhaps change the course of a match. And that's, you know, that's not going to be an issue. But, you know, it, it shouldn't really be a problem that all the lines are called correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, the Donaldson was thinking more about the manpower, the amount of people employed at a tournament to, to call lines. And I know things have to move forward and, and things do change and none of us really like change. But in terms of the amount of people that are employed in those positions, that would that would be a, a big call to make to say, right, I know people will be employed in other areas because you need people manning the machines. But in terms of those men and women out there on, on the courts, that, that would be gone. Yeah, it, it's difficult, but and as you say, I mean, without being too harsh about it, that's that's what the the, the world does. It moves on, and things. Quite are a harsh person, really. Aren't no, you? I mean that's that's a fact of it. Otherwise, we'd all be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, machines take over from us to a degree, and let things things go simply. But uh, I mean, it's not going to come in immediately i wouldn't imagine and it's not going to come into to every tournament because there's some of them you know probably can't afford the the systems on on all the courts so there'll still be somewhat on the outside courts but the other exciting thing just looking at the tennis is how these guys match up against each other because another point a couple of them have made is we've played each other a handful of times but since we've got to the rankings where we've got there aren't these big rivalries between these guys and i know sasha zarev has he's going to be playing an exhibition match on tuesday but he's pulled out to focus on the nito world tour finals but for the guys involved, they said we're really interested to see how we match up against those players who are closest to us in the rankings because, after all, they are what we hope to be the next generation. Yes, and and and, and w you know the the idea is what what we're going to watch in Milan next week is 
is maybe what we'll be watching in London in in four or five years' time, and let the, let the rivalries really start. And you know, we've had the likes of obviously Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. You know, so played so many times and so many great matches. And 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 will the results this week in uh, coming up in in Milan be you know will that be indicative of the way things are, are, are going to go? Because they haven't really because they're not at the top. They haven't got to the stage where they're playing each other often. Yeah. Yet. I mean, we had a we had a Chorich Zverev in uh, get the odd one in U.S. Open this year, and that was you know that was a surprising result because Zverev's having the big year, and but Chorich got you know super fired up for that. So you know, chance for these guys as well because they want to set the you know set the the direction of the of the head-to-head meetings. Every ball of every match of the next-gen ATP finals will be live right here on ATP Tennis Radio. And you talk about machines. Maybe we should get them to do our predictions because we've had a shocker, haven't we, in the ATP Tennis Radio commentary box. So we, we've tried to predict all the way through, whether it be early on, middle stages, even when there are only four players left. We all got it wrong, barring Naomi Cavaday, who went for Jack Sock. So if there's an area that we need to sort of brush up on, Miles, I think, it, perhaps predicting? Yeah, well, uh, this is the first year, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they'll excuses. probably get some experts in next year. <laughs> <laughs> like we end on a positive note. Thank you. Maybe for the last time. No, Miles, thank you very much. <laughs> Miles and I are going to be together in London. I will ask him that question again at the end of London. Who has had the better season on paper? Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal? Stan Wawrinka, his man, who's had the third best season on paper. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been great to have you with us. And don't forget Milan next week, the next-gen ATP Tour Finals. And following that, we've got the Nito ATP final London's O2 Arena 12th and 19th so 7th the 11th Milan 12th to 19th November and you can listen to ATP Tennis Radio on atpworldtour.com or tune in or on the Tennis TV app which is a free to listen option if you'd like to watch the next gen ATP finals you can do so on Amazon where a documentary series following the next generation of stars is also available you might think the season's coming to an end but there is still plenty to look forward to and there's plenty to listen to here on ATP Tennis Radio thank you for listening to the podcast enjoy the tennis and we will speak to you again next week you're listening to atp tennis radio available on the official websites and apps on tune in and itunes <laughs>